Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross All right, you guys are live. Fucking Jesus. Like, I'm not. Another cold opening. This is what I deal with. Hmm. How you doing? So, here we are. What's up, you guys? It's Sean Ross Sapp. You know, I'm managing editor of Fightful.com. And it was hard to land this one, it was, it was hard to make this interview happen. This would be but a hard one to land, that's for sure. The Rock is here on the list and your boy, number 44. So, uh, I'm going to tell you something, Sean. You are, I, I, you are not drinking through that. I'm pretending. Oh, okay. you got to roll with me on this. I, <laughs> uh, I don't know how good my audio is through this, so I might not keep it on very long. But I actually made an attempt to get Jason Sensation... And Jason Sensation, if you hear this or if you if anybody knows him that that hears this, tell that fucker to like get back to me. Because the guy's falling off the planet, Sean. Jason Sensation. You remember him, right? I remember him. So he's kind of fallen off the planet a little bit. Uh, I heard he's gone through some rough times, whatever. I tried reaching out to him through social media. I tried Facebook. I wanted him to come in. I was going to put this mask on, have him standing off to the side, have him imitate the rock. That's what I was going to do. And he didn't get back to me, man. Well, he's probably still a little nervous. I mean, you're The Rock, and he impersonated the nation like 20-some years ago. He probably thinks he still has heat with you. You think so? Yeah. I don't know, man. The Rock's had a good run, so I forgive. Dropping F-bombs. I always get on Anna about it, trying to get us demonetized. But it's your money, Jimmy, so... Oh, I yeah, I don't care. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> like, it's starting to border, like... The mouth will move on this thing a little bit. Oh, does it? Yes, very, very little. <laughs> so I realized that we're doing this on November 1st. Somebody says, oh, shit, it's Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> you think so? <laughs> they look alike. 
the mask looks a lot like Joe Rogan. Really? Think so? <laughs> Just scream, ow, into the mic. I guess like that's what I was going for. Out. That's what I was going for. So even though we're doing this on Wednesday, November 1st, the day after Halloween, uh, it's still close enough. I thought doing it last week was too early. Yeah. And uh, I went out of my way to look up some pro wrestling-related Halloween stuff. I found this rock mask. I think it looks decent, don't you think? Yeah. Not bad, right? Did you, did you see my costume last night? Uh, I saw one night you were uh, Spawn. I was Spawn Ross Sap. So that's and then right. last night... I was the several thousand dollar man. <laughs> so, you know, and of course, Jeff and Anna on the SmackDown post show trolled me by dressing up as characters, Uma Thurman and John Travolta from Pulp Fiction. There you go. There you go. Well, I'm not going to keep it on long because I feel like my audio is probably muffled. Is that true? Yes, right it now? is. Okay. Okay. So. We should have at least built to this. Nigel should have pinned you. <sighs> To beat you in this mask versus hair match. I was told I couldn't say anything. Damn. Yeah, Nigel, Nigel was aware of this, but he was told to keep his mouth shut. <laughs> so that's why nothing was said. I have been said. known to snoop out a, a secret or two. Yeah, I've been a lot better at hiding them. You have been. So, But this is I – think, I think it's not bad, right? So I'll keep it around for – I'll keep it around for, you know, usage for other stuff sometime. Mm. Sean, i got to tell you, man. i got to tell you. Yeah. I come from a, a small town in uh, southeastern Ontario in Canada. Sure. And it's a small kind of, you know, white bread country town, lots of farmland and whatnot. I took my kid out trick-or-treating in Toronto last night, Halloween yeah. night. I feel like as a kid I got the shaft. Really? Because this might be – I might be uh, 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 outdating myself because I don't know if you dealt with this. Nigel, I don't know if you ever dealt with this. They make these little rock-hard Halloween caramels. Did you ever deal with that, Sean? Yeah. And they they cost like a half a penny each, and they're wrapped in a in a Halloween theme wrapper, right? Yep. Like when the I, black and the orange. Yeah, yeah. Those pe uh, peanut butter kisses. The little shit ones, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember those. So when I was a kid, that's what I would get is stuff like that, right? And then you'd be lucky if you got a few uh, mini miniature chocolate bars or whatever. My kid last night, now granted, we're in a nice area of Toronto called Forest Hill, and that probably makes a difference. But my kid last night, within 40 minutes, had her bucket filled to the brim with things like full-size chocolate bars. People care now. They don't want to be the, the uncool people. There was somebody. We were handing out the fun-size Skittles yeah. and Starburst, the two little Starbursts. A kid walks up. And I see a package of Starbursts, yeah. like leaning, like like out of his bucket. It wouldn't fit in the bucket; it was so big. And then on the end, it said "share size," and I was like, "What? Who is the family that's doing that?" But I have a theory. I think they really just bought like four of them, and they were like, "Tell your friends," <laughs> and then they shut the door and went in for the night. So, because it's, it's that big of a deal to to have that that kind of look. Nobody wants to be the family that gives out the peanut butter kisses. My wife revealed to me that she liked those, and I was disgusted. You I know was what? Like, this is the this is the type of stuff that would have caused me to draw up a prenup. Really? Yes. See, I did draw up a prenup because I'm a smart thinker, Sean. Should have done the same thing. But uh, I, I do want to say this. My personal highlight, one of my personal highlights from, from Halloween this year, 
uh, and people in Canada might be familiar with this reference. Nigel won't be, but a lot of people in Canada might be. My neighbor, as it turned out, is a TSN hockey analyst, mm-hmm. and I didn't know. I didn't know. And when I was trick or treating, this guy was out tending to his jack o' lanterns, you know, because one of them broke. He's tending to his jack o' lanterns. I, I uh, uh, complimented him on another one. He turned and looked at me to say thanks, and it was a TSN hockey analyst. So I thought that was kind of cool. I had no idea that he was my neighbor. So I have a neighbor. Well, he died, but he was a Major League Baseball All-Star. Hot diggity dog. That's cool, but he's dead, so who cares? So, uh, <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> Jimmy. I said that to get a reaction. That's what I said, to get a reaction. So uh, getting to wrestling news, I want to start by talking about live audio wrestling. Now let me tell you something, Sean. This whole Anthem Impact Wrestling thing, all right, yeah. this is the gift that keeps on giving when it comes to wrestling okay. reporting, all right? And I realize that every week we tend to talk about the whole Anthem Impact thing, and that's because every week something happens. And what happened on Monday, um, personally, this, this, I guess, is one of the ones that has hit me the hardest personally, is what happened. And uh, I'm going to read the direct quote. This was posted October 30th on the Live Audio Wrestling Twitter. It said, effective immediately, the law is being placed on a short hiatus. We will be relaunched with a new format in the coming weeks. Stay tuned. Then they announced that John Pollock and Jason Agnew uh, had been let go by the Fight Network. And, of course, the Fight Network, their parent company is Anthem Entertainment. And so it's quite clear that this was a budget-cutting measure. And it's quite clear that Impact is continuing to bleed Anthem dry, and Anthem has no choice now but to make these cuts. They cut Robin Black a few months ago. He's an MMA. Uh, shocking. Right? Yeah, he, shocking. he was an MMA analyst on the Fight Network. They cut him. Now they just cut John Pollock and Jason Agnew. The law has a special place with me because 20 years ago when I first moved to Toronto, I moved to Toronto in 98, uh, when I first moved to Toronto, the first guys that I ever met, quote-unquote, in the wrestling business were the original law hosts, uh, Jeff Merrick, Chris Tidwell, and Donnie Abreu. And I actually met Jason Agnew a few times through Jeff Merrick back in the day because Jason Agnew was on the show longer than John Pollock was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another host who I believe was not let go, Dan Lebransky. I met him several times as well through the original hosts. Uh, so it, 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 I thought it was very unfortunate, a show that's been around for 20 years and a show that I have a personal connection to uh, is essentially, I, I know that they say on hiatus. Gutted. It's gutted. Yeah, because they're, clearly they're going to bring it back with lesser talent or, or you know, uh, less Or as an impact talent. fluff show or something, something like that. that. I know Dave Meltzer, uh, who was on the show every week, Dave Meltzer flat out loved used the word. Seg- loved his segment. No, but he, he flat out used the word canceled. He flat out yeah. said it was canceled. Uh, but they say short hiatus. I will say that I have spoken to both John Pollock and Jason Agnew. Uh, this week to you know kind of see how things are going and all that, uh, and they'll they'll be fine, they'll be fine. Yeah, they got they got some plans in the works and they'll be okay. But uh, it's just unfortunate. Again, I I actually called it on Twitter, uh, Anthem's acquisition of Impact this week. I called it the arguably the worst business decision, wrestling related business decision of the last fifteen years. I think you can go back even even deeper and say it's one of the worst wrestling related business decisions of all time. Uh, and now it's starting to affect their core business because the fight they're network, making Billy Corgan look like the savviest person in the universe right now. Like, well, he's like I, I'm seeing some of the stuff they're putting out with NWA. I don't know if you've seen it. It's real yeah. good. Yeah, but it's Billy Corgan real, wanted to buy Impact too. 
He did. He and, did. And the but, only reason uh, he didn't is because he was kind of pushed out. That's the only reason sure. he didn't, right? But I mean, so. I don't think it would have cost. It wouldn't have cost a John Pollock his job. I also I reached out to John Pollock, and he said that he was weighing some things and he was decompressing. It seemed like he was, and I'm sure the support that he got in re, in reaction to that was great. He's really, really good. In <clears throat> with me doing this kind of job, I don't have a lot of time to listen to a lot of people's stuff. I'll listen to podcasts here and there. Rogan, Schaub, Michael Rappaport, Bruce Pritchard. The only other real thing that I'll listen to is occasionally when I see something from the law pop up right. on my feed, on my subscription feed. I really like what they do there. I liked what Robin Black did there, not on the law, but mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 a shock to me when such good reporters are cut and you know it people can say well it doesn't have anything to do it's a cost cutting measure well why are they cutting cutting costs oh it's There's absolutely because of impact wrestling costs absolutely i mean clearly they're going to they're going to try to spin it because guaranteed i'm i'm telling you right now and uh, another guy that works for us James Lynch James Lynch and i don't know if i'm supposed to say this but i don't care he told me that he used to work at the fight network and that they were notorious for being shitty payers in terms of uh not that they would they pay late but that it'd be low salary working mm-hmm. for the fight network right so uh, they already kind of had that reputation, but the shitty thing about this now is that I guarantee you that the, the guys that are still left at the Fight Network are walking on eggshells right now because they're thinking if they cut the law that's been around for 20 years and was on AM radio in Toronto and everything, then am I next? And, and Robin Black, known as one of the best breakdown guys in the game on the right. MMA side. Yeah. Like, it's unfortunate. We had, we had him on the Fightful podcasts occasionally whenever he got cut. He's really good, a really great person. Like. Pollock and Black, especially, just a couple of personalities. Like you want those guys. Like mm-hmm. they're they're real good at what they do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it's unfortunate. It's a shame. I hate that. Yep, it's too bad. So we'll see what happens. But uh, man, that Anthem acquisition, boy, is it looking brilliant by the day here, Sean? Yeah, when you get a guy who goes on Observer Radio and practically cries during an interview, and then says that he drew the short straw. I mean, I don't know whose decision it was to buy the company. I don't think it was Ed Nordholm. But whoever's decision it was to buy the company, unless it was uh, ownership, they should be fired. Yeah. I mean, I mean, now you're starting to bleed your core business. Once you start to bleed your core business because of a decision you've made, that's when you, yeah. you know, you got to rethink what you've been doing. Anyway, I did want to bring, bring up after that though what I had mentioned: those NWA clips. Uh, they announced that they're going to they're moving forward. I, I have trashed their 52 year old champion Tim Storm. I still don't think it's a good idea. They put together a few videos. Man, they made him look real good, real sympathetic. Like, like they, they've done an awesome job. I never used to see the letters NWA scroll across any of my feeds. Not Twitter, not YouTube, not anything. It's showing right. up in my recommended videos now. People are mentioning it. So um, by that, by that uh, measure, I would say that Billy Corgan's already had more success with NWA than Anthem has had with Impact. So good for him in that regard because I still have serious doubts about it. But, um, you know, we, we, we often say, Jimmy, like, why wouldn't you buy a new company? Billy Corgan just – or why wouldn't you just start a new company? Billy Corgan almost kind of did because the NWA is so removed from everybody's minds yeah. that he just bought the name and kept what assets. And I've heard that – they had to deal with some real carnies in this situation, like some people from the NWA trying to secure six-figure office jobs. Oh, really? Yes, when Billy Corgan took over and he was like, 
nah, get the fuck out of here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, good I don't know. I mean, I actually put that the videos on my list today, uh, the 10 pounds of gold videos. Oh, and, did you? Uh, yeah, it's actually, it, well, we can talk about it now since you brought it up. But I, sure. I, I put it on my list and I was going to say, I mean, the videos are very well produced. I'll give them credit for that. Uh, they're utilizing the tape library that they have because they have a limited tape library. They only have, I think, the Houston tape library. Yes. But they're utilizing it in those videos. I think that Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, I think it looks decent. Uh, yeah. The venue looks decent. The lighting looks decent and all that. That's fine. But as you mentioned, Tim Storm, I think, is a pretty damn questionable champion. And uh, they announced that November 12th, he's going to defend the NWA title against Nick Aldis. That's a pretty questionable challenger. Uh, Mag- uh, Magnus has been G- Global Force champion, TNA champion. So with what's out there, I think he's fair. They got Jack Swagger, who we're going to talk to later. Not about that, but he's been on a, a few of those shows too. I mean, the problem is that it's essentially a, an independent promotion, right? They're going to bring guys in on like a one-off booking and give them title shots. And I don't know. I, we'll see what happens. We'll see what to happens. Be, to be fair to Magnus, now, is he my favorite wrestler in the world? No, but he did appear on national TV earlier this year as a world champion. He faced Alberto Del Rio and or El Patron in that. So I think it's fair. It's obvious what they're doing. They're setting up Magnus as their big heel, and he's kind of taking old Yeller out back and about ready to put a bullet in him, I think. <laughs> uh, and I, they did a real good job with Tim Storm because that's a guy that I had no desire to watch do anything before that, and they, they, did, they just did really good with him in that regard. I love those videos. Uh, their presence has really shot up, in my opinion, because mm. I wasn't hearing anything about him. I didn't give a damn about the NWA. Uh, I thought that, and who knows, maybe they will, but I'm like, how did you not put this title on Cody Rhodes at any point? Like, for a week. Mm-hmm. For a week, just to put it in people's heads. But uh, we'll see where it goes. We'll I'm, see where I'm it actually, goes. I'm actually excited to see what they do with this now. I mean, I will say this. It kind of comes off to me like a Billy Corrigan vanity project. Sure. Uh, but at the same time, I can understand he might have the mentality, well, I have some name recognition, so I might as well use I, it, right? I know there are a few people that are putting in hard work for it. I know Dave Lagana, I see him. I think he produced the stuff. Right. And right. I think he's a one-man operation producing the stuff. He was the but, voiceover too, wasn't he? Yeah, I believe so. And yeah. he's been around. He, he's been in TNA. He's been in WWE. So he knows how to do a good amount of that stuff. But right. uh, I, I am interested, and I, I will check out that match at the very least. That's great. So let's move on to uh, WWE releases, Sean. Oh, yeah. I did a news update video on this, which you all can see more of at our YouTube. There you but, go. Uh, well, there, they... there, this is so multi-layered and multifaceted, this story. Yeah, I'm going to be a little – I don't want to use the word disrespectful. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that people are overreacting a bit when it comes to the, the, the star power of these people. Like with, with yeah. all due respect to them, I know there's I so agree. so it was announced on October 29th. Emma, Darren Young, and Summer Rae, uh, WWE came to terms on their release on all three of them, and uh, Emma in particular. It seems like there's a little bit of online backlash, and there's some people that all of a sudden they're posting on social media like Emma was friggin' Charlotte Flair, you know, reincarnated or something, and uh, I'm, I'm just calling a spade a spade. Uh, Emma, Summer Rae, and Darren Young had not drawn a dime for the company. I'm just being honest. Uh, the only thing I will say about Emma that is a little questionable is that they had used her recently on Raw. She uh, wrestled Asuka at TLC. She wrestled, wrestled Asuka on Raw. Prior to TLC, she actually won. Was it a triple threat or a four-way in order to get earn the right to face Asuka? 
and she actually won that match. So they did use her a little bit prior to this release, but uh, they, they just they there was no star power in those names. And and again, the the people that are all of a sudden putting Emma over online, like oh my god, I can't believe that. Where the hell were you when she was on television and her and her segments were doing shit ratings? Hey, yeah, boy, put her over all the time. I loved her work. I thought she was a great NXT baby face. Mm -hmm. But whatever opportunity that she had, I'll, I'll respect the Santino because as a wrestling mind, I think a lot of Santino, that was not the right pairing to, to debut her with. Uh, she was doing this she, stupid shit. The, hey, it so got dumb. over, man. It ah, got over so in stupid. NXT. It worked. So it worked. As a heel, she went to NXT, reinvented herself, wrestled real well. Then they brought her up, and she got hurt. And she got hurt again. And they went for the Emelina thing, and she was like, guys, I don't know about this. Who knows how where her career would be had she not said no to the Emelina thing. Yeah. She's had so many starts and stops that maybe WWE was just exhausted because we are talking like failed babyface push, mm -hmm. uh, sent back to NXT, mm -hmm. got fired one point because of uh, the, the Walmart iPad case incident. That was a hiccup. Brought up, injury. Brought mm -hmm. back, injury. Emelina can. So I, maybe WWE is a little exhausted. If she goes out and becomes like the first like giant female draw or something on the independent circuit, which is a very uphill battle for her, mm -hmm. uh, maybe they'll bring her back. I mean, they could bring her back anyway. Oh, sure. I think sure. she, she's a real good worker. She's a real good personality. I think that she is somebody they could have done much more with. And I think that she is the biggest loss out of these three. Because she is, but I at the same time, you know, the the character with the gloves and the black lipstick and the and the and the aviator sunglasses and always the, the cold demeanor. I just don't know how she was expecting to draw with that character. I just don't. I, I just don't see it. Well, she would she would have to be a top heel, and well, yeah. they they weren't interested in putting her in that. Yeah, I was told that WWE didn't know about these releases until they hadn't decided until the middle of the week. So. Okay. Well, she posted on Twitter on October 30th, I feel very fortunate to have the most amazing family, friends, and fans in the world. I'm excited for the future. The best is yet to come. Summer Ray posted on uh, her Instagram, not giving up on summer just yet. And she was actually clever how she did it. She did it uh, in like a bikini, making like it's a summer weather type yeah, of yeah. comment. But then she capitalized the S on summer. So I thought that was clever. And Darren <laughs> Young hasn't commented publicly yet. Uh, now, Dar I Darren Young, Darren Young will get into public speaking and probably do pretty well. He's got a friend by the name of Titus O'Neil who also could make a good career out of that and mm -hmm. also being the first quote-unquote openly gay because there there have been others, mm -hmm. WWE wrestler. He's going to get a lot of speaking engagement. Summer will do something. I, I don't see her wrestling a ton, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I do know that a lot of wrestlers were, I don't want to say upset, but disappointed and saddened by Emma's release in particular. And then uh, Mr. Leo Rush, the uh, the new NXT developmental signee from, what, a couple months ago. Uh, yeah. He posted on Twitter on October 29th. This is after the announced Emma's release. Quote, I guess these are the things that happen when you're not truly ready for Asuka, unquote. Uh, as you can imagine, he got roasted uh, oh, yeah. online for this. Everybody from NXT talent to former WWE talent to current main roster talent like Bray Wyatt and Kevin Owens commented on, on this. A couple guys actually came to his defense. Mick Foley and William Regal defended him and said, uh, we all make mistakes. Uh, he apologized for it. It goes back to what we've said before, man, about this whole social media thing. I realize that this day and age, 
WWE talent has to rely on social media in order to help build their following. Uh, and you look at The Rock, who uh, uh, revealed a few months ago that it was part of his strategy to utilize social media in order to kind of build up his persona as being this, you know, uh, presentable people's kind of guy. Yes. So I, I realize social media is important to these people, but you got to be smarter than that, man. You've been developmental for two months. You're taking hey, shots at a girl that got released. I've right? had to learn a lot over the past year and a half, like dealing with people. Yes, people you have, and you're asses. welcome. And you're welcome for that. Hey, you, you've helped me with that. I don't <laughs> like, you're putting yourself over, but I don't have any uh, any problem admitting that. I mean, sometimes I like to take shots at people who take shots at me. Sometimes it's not worth it. It's because you're too sensitive, you, Sean. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, that's your – it's boss time. That's, that's your version of Michael Cole's little quip. Oh, oh you know, I love that one. Uh-huh. Love that so, one. So, uh, the Leo Rush thing was dumb, it and was. he's 22. He's really young. He had earned his reputation on the Indies too. Like a lot of people didn't like him. A lot of people. Can he overcome it? I hope so. Cody Hall used to be in that situation where I would hear that people just didn't like his attitude, and then, like I, last year, I heard that he had toned it down a lot. Really? So he lives and he learns. I'm sure Leo Rush is going to learn. Shout-outs to Peyton Royce for being the first one to step up and mm-hmm. be like, hey, kid, shut up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought that said a lot about her. Um, I think she's the future NXT Women's Champion, by the way. But he'll get over it. I think he has – oh, my God, the sky's the limit for that dude. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm saying don't put him on 205 Live. In the ring, he's your next Mysterio. I saw him at those NXT tapings, Jimmy. I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. Right. And that was just the opening series between him and Velveteen Dream. Now I'll ask you, did you see EC3's tweet? Was that after the Jeff Jarrett thing? No, it was after Rockstar Spud. Okay, yeah, 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 vaguely, vaguely. He said, I guess these are the things that happen when you're not truly ready for Hornswoggle in a Mumbai street fight mm. by Rockstar Spud. Mm-hmm. Kind of playing off of the Leo Rush tweet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was okay. gonna, I was gonna mention uh, Rockstar Spud as well, and Reno Scum uh, are all gone from uh, from Impact, and apparently Rockstar Stud, uh, Spud Spud requested his release. Apparently, yeah, he might end up on Two Hundred Five Live by the sounds of it. That's the rumor. It. That's the rumor. That it'd be that'd be a great signing for Two Hundred Five Live. He's got a ton of personality and can work in the ring. Right. And I think WWE is seeing that. They wanted to strap the rocket ship to Neville with 205 Live. It didn't work out the way they wanted, mm-hmm. but it has with Enzo. Mm-hmm. They're starting to take the chains off of these guys a little bit and say, do what you got to do to get you over. And that I can appreciate. And the adding Enzo to that helps. So mm-hmm. good for them. Uh, Reno Scum, they they actually were only around for five days, but they filmed seven matches. So. And weren't they the Global Force Wrestling Tag Team Champions? Yeah, that's why they were brought in. Yeah, good for them. Uh, speaking of guys who were brought in because of Global Force Wrestling, Sanjay Dutt is competing this weekend for the X Division Championship in an X Division or uh, Ultimate X match. I'm very excited about that, actually. I spoke to him about this, about Jeff Jarrett's uh, departure and other things. Check it out. Now, you won the, you're, you're back in the X Division scene. You're, you're back in Impact. It's, it's been a while now. Uh, how do you feel being there, and what kind of changes have you seen since your first go-around full-time with the company? Wow. Um, big question. Uh, changes. Uh, I guess uh, it's ever-changing here. <laughs> um, so I started in 2003, 
and I, I left full time in '09. Uh, would come back here and there. So I've literally been there for every regime, you know, from day one. Uh, so I've seen all the changes. I've seen the ups, the downs, the good, the bad. Uh, and it's no secret right now. It's a rebuilding phase. And uh, it's uh, basically uh, to gain the consumer confidence back uh, that may have been lost through uh, past regimes and past mistakes. Uh, I think that's the number one thing that uh, we're trying to accomplish right now. What kind of changes do you see in the X Division? I know you have this match at Bound for Glory coming up, and it's kind of like an amalgamation of X Division past, present, and even future a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's uh, kind of the, the, the story being played there where, you know, you've got uh, X Division veterans and myself and Petey. We kind of pioneered the whole thing, and, and then you've got the next crop with the Desmond Xavier and uh, Garza Jr., who I think is uh, more than just an exhibition wrestler. And, and, uh, and same goes for Matt Seidel. And, and, and I think uh, I really do truly think the world of, of uh, Trevor Lee, I think he's um, one, of the, uh, one of the guys that you should watch and see where he ends up in the next five to ten years. I think he's so talented, and, and it's crazy to think that he's still in his uh, – his, uh, 20s, you know, so if you take all that into account, you know, I think it's a it's a bright exhibition future, and it kind of goes back to, uh, you know, when uh, the guys, uh, you know, myself, Petey Williams, and uh, Alex Shelley, Chris Saban, you know, we, we all were hired uh, not because we were big names or, or we were popular or anything like, like that, but we were brought in specifically because we knew how to uh, wrestle a style that was popular uh, on the independent. Now, you're also working as an agent, from what I understand. Is that true? Yes. So I how, have, how does uh, that differ from your first go-around? Well, it, uh, that is probably the biggest change, whereas uh, 2003, I was uh, 20 years old and, and uh, a hungry young kid, and uh, now I'm, I'm you know, uh, part of the creative team and, and trying to construct this show and uh, steer it in, in the, the path that we see fit right now, and uh, balancing the two is, uh, something that I am kind of used to, um, you know, five, about five years ago is when I started transitioning into, uh, more of an office role and whatnot. So, um, it, it is, it is a, it is a struggle, I guess. Uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's a balancing act, but, uh, something I do enjoy. What are your thoughts on impact moving kind of their, their operations to Canada in light of Anthem? Uh, you know, they, they run out of Toronto, so. You're seeing a lot more of a Canadian-based thing, and I mean, I've noticed a lot more high-profile independent shows running out of Ontario as well. I think that uh, the Toronto, Ontario independent scene, you know, I, I go back to that scene in uh, 2006. Uh, there was a group there, a UWA Hardcore, and I would be there every month and kind of branched off into other groups down there. I mean, it, it, it's always been a, a such a hotbed for pro wrestling. Uh, and I think that uh, being Bound for Glory, being the biggest show of the year, being the biggest pay-per-view that we put out, and the culmination of so much, so much that's gone on over the years, I think it was uh, I think it was a decision that made let's let's try to make this thing a little little special and take it on the road and and uh, see what we get. So I know that you, you've got a friendship with Jeff Jarrett. His situation is a little bit complicated. What do you look for the resolution to this be? I know that. The name's changed back from Global Force to Impact, uh, and Jeff's kind of taking some time right now. 
Yeah, uh, Jeff is a is a very good friend of mine, a uh, sort of a mentor figure and and whatnot. And uh, I'm not privy to any of the details and all that stuff. I, I just uh, hope the best for him, and and uh, you know, hopefully he's back sooner than later. This is the like far from the first time you've worked with Jeff. I know that you you did stuff with Global Force. I know you did stuff with Rinka King, and of course you all uh, worked together in TNA before. Was this something that you looked at as a real opportunity? Because I know you're, you're somewhat familiar. It's hard to say familiar with Impact considering all the changes, even the roster and stuff. But what kind of situation did you look at uh, when you two came over from from previously uh, Global Force? Right. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, it, it, it kind of presented itself. I think all the kind of the pieces kind of fell in place and – uh, the company wanting to go a different route. Uh, a new company had bought the uh, Impact, and you know, I, I think that to them it was uh, probably a no-brainer to go with uh, go with the guy to steer the ship that uh, ste- steered it before and, and successfully. So I, I think that uh, you know, this was this all kind of was a whirlwind for me. I, I was in a in a, in a, in a tough spot uh, in my career early this year, trying to figure out where I was going to do and where I was going to go, and. Uh, Part of the reason that I, I chose this route was, uh, you know, my, my friendship with Jeff and, and, and the, the prospect of uh, tur- turning things around, basically, and, and uh, starting from scratch and trying to trying to build something uh, different. All right, you guys are back. So impact bound for glory happens. Son of a bitch. Come on, man. We don't want a bunch of dead air here, buddy. How many of these do you have? So, truth be told... Answer the question. Truth be told, I was going to... I, I debated about purchasing them all. And there are like six of them. You, there, there's like a Cena, there's a Kane, there's a Mankind, there's a Roddy Piper, there's an Ultimate Warrior, plus these two. I was going to get them all, but then I decided, you know what, that's overkill. It's a waste of money for, like, a little gag on a on a podcast, so I just got these two. Yeah, it's not like you would spend all the money to get, like, a million-dollar belt or <laughs> cardboard cutouts or a green screen or uh, signs of my cats. you got to know when to draw the line somewhere, Sean. <laughs> oh, that's man. why Do I just went these two. you have a Slim Jim there? Huh? Do you have a Slim Jim? Um... No, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. So let me say so, one thing about Sanjay Dutt. Uh, and actually, this one's pretty sweet. Don't you think? Yeah. Look at that. It doesn't look anything like him, but yeah. I still think it's pretty sweet. I actually think it's more comfortable than the Rock Mask, personally. So uh, Sanjay Dutt, you know what? I don't know how he is in terms of creative. I don't know how how creative he is in, in coming up with wrestling television. But he is very intelligent, very articulate, very well-spoken. Uh, I thought he answered your questions honestly. Uh, yes. And I loved when you talked about Impact Wrestling and about you know kind of the phase they're in right now. He was very honest in saying it's a rebuilding phase. We have to regain consumer confidence. Um, he could have just fed you a line of bullshit because Jeff Jarrett would have. Yeah. And he didn't. He was very honest in saying where they're at, and I respect that. I respect that about him, man. I'll run down the card very quickly for Impact Bound for Glory on Sunday. We have live coverage and discussion for that, and I'm doing a live post-show 
Uh, Team Impact, that's Eddie Edwards, EC3, and James Storm against Triple A, which is a guy you all will know as King Cuerno, Pagano, and Tejano. Rosemary versus Taya Valkyrie in a red wedding match. Abyss versus Grado in a Monsters Ball match. <laughs> if Grado loses, his work visa is terminated. Six Sides of Steel, that's Lashley and King Mo against Stefan Bonner and Moose. That feud has kicked ass. It's been really good TV. Sienna, Ali, Gail Kim, three-way match for the Knockouts Championship. OVE, not too high on them against LAX, very high on them, but I think this match will be very good. It's a 51-50 street fight for the tag titles. Then you have that Ultimate X, or no, it's a six-way match for the X Division Championship. Trevor Lee, Desmond Xavier, Garza Jr., Matt Seidel, Petey Williams, Sanjay Dutt for that title. That's going to be good. Main event, Eli Drake versus Johnny Impact, global championship match. So could be a fun card. It could be a really, really good show, or it could be an absolute train wreck, I think. I can't wait to see what the venue looks like in Ottawa. They, apparently, they sold it out, allegedly. No way, no way. That's what they said. They papered it. That's what I've been told. Quite possibly. Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. I want to say one little thing quickly because I, I sometimes I forget that we have a lot of audio only. We have, we have an hour and a half. You can say it quickly or you can draw it out. Yeah, but what? I got the list of Jimmy Van here, man. I got to get to more content. But I, I do want to say for people that only listen to the show via audio and they don't watch the show – uh, sometimes I, Sean and I both forget about that, and so I just want to kind of make it clear. I have uh, certain Halloween masks that I put on for the show. If you're able to watch this on YouTube, you can check those out. Because otherwise, they might be like, "What the hell was Sean pausing mid-sentence for and well, saying?" Oh, I care oh, about Jesus. all of our viewers and listeners and subscribers. So exactly, exactly. I want to move on. But if, to you talk- if you don't subscribe to our YouTube, you guys are missing out. I'm talking like we got tons of content that we only put up there. So check that out as well. Uh, You all will start to see some of my news update videos go into our articles as well. I want to talk about WWE Financials. Let's do it. They released their Q3 results uh, this week. Uh, They announced revenue of $186.4 million, profit of $21.8 million. They beat Wall Street estimates on both, uh, and it caused the stock to increase by 17% between October 25 and October 27. Went up uh, from about $21 to about $26, which is pretty solid. Oh, yeah. um, now, granted, their TV rights fees—that's uh, a primary reason for this increase—and they're not even hiding that fact. The network did go up in profitability. Uh, it increased due to more revenue and less spending on content. They announced that network subscriptions were at 1.507 million. It was up four percent from the same period last year, uh, down from last quarter though, and that's been the trend year over year. And uh, one thing I thought was interesting about that, about the fact that the that the buys went down a little bit, or the subscriptions went down a little bit. As we've talked about, they've been trying out these marquee matches on B-level pay-per-views. Uh, First-time ever matches, Brock Lesnar against Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns against John Cena. They were going to do the Shield reunion. And they do that trying to minimize churn outside of WrestleMania season. What these numbers showed is that it had very little effect. Uh, because generating the marquee matches on the B-shows, they still had a reduction in uh, subscriptions. So that was interesting. It wasn't that 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 much of a reduction but here's the question i have to ask jimmy they cut like all the shows mm-hmm. all the shows except for story time mm-hmm. table for three right along mm-hmm. the ones well story time isn't that cheap to produce because i've looked into how much it costs to hire an animator to do stuff because i've wanted to do it myself it's that can be expensive Right along and table for three dirt cheap for them mm-hmm. to make they got rid of the podcast shows where they have to pay the talent to come in they got rid of the JBL show. They got rid of Edge and Christian show. 
And what they found was it doesn't reduce subscriptions that much. Yep. And it's a bummer because I love those shows. Yep. They're they're great shows. It's great content. But they're finding that, well, our pay-per-views are selling everything. That's the draw. Absolutely. Yeah. And it always was the draw. And so I, I think I, they I think they feel sorry, sorry to cut you off. I think they feel the need to keep those matches on there to let people keep thinking that that's the draw. It could be, but I, I think quite frankly, I mean, when they when they launched the network a couple of years ago, uh, if I remember right, they were throwing around the figure of three million. And they actually oh, yeah. they actually thought they were gonna hit three million subscribers worldwide. I think they're at the point now where they kind of recognize that that's very unlikely to happen. And so in order to, I guess, appease shareholders and in order to, to, to try to come off smelling like roses when they're not hitting the mark, you cut the costs and you, and you show more profitability. And uh, that's what they did. And again, I mean, the trend is the same over last year in terms of going down for Q3 versus Q2, but they're up versus Q3 last year. I mean, yeah. you know, what can you do? I think building giant individual stars would help instead of trying to rely on the marquee. You know what I mean? When WWE was in the mind of, well, we're going to build some giant individual stars, you got a lot of other giant individual stars off of those. With Stone Cold and The Rock being built, oh, okay, well, The Undertaker's there to be a supporting cast member. Triple H emerges. Kurt Angle emerges. Mm -hmm. And then on the undercard, you have your Edges and Christians and the Hardy Boys who later on became in a in a time when business was down a little bit, they became really important people to have. Like, I think that's important. I think they got a good one with old Braun Strowman. Yep, absolutely, they do. I mean, obviously, you're talking about the '90s. That was the peak of the business. Of and, course. And I've always believed, and it's been long talked about. I've always believed that when Miss McMahon had to light a fire under his ass due to competition, that's when he was at his best. Uh, and we've heard about how for many years now the ratings don't mean as much to him. And it's yeah. because he just doesn't have that fire in his belly now. I mean, there is no competition. That's just kind of how it is. Uh, one thing I want to say is that uh, actually there's two, two things. First thing is they announced, uh, they confirmed that the deal with NBC Universal expires September 30, 2019. Their TV deals with the UK and India, which are their, their next two biggest money deals, expire December 31st, 2019. They're hoping that between May and September of next year, they can already announce a new U.S. television deal. That's what they're hoping for. I hope by next week they can announce a new India deal. That way they can stop this charade on SmackDown. <laughs> well, kind of speaking of that, because I thought this was kind of unintentionally funny when they did the conference call and Miss Man was talking about international talent signings, it was clear that he is so far removed from that stuff that he couldn't even remember any names. I thought it was very interesting that Triple H was in the room on the conference call because you never hear him on the conference calls. Yeah. But he's probably always there. He is always there. Okay. So so Triple H was in the room and Vince had to turn to him in order to get the names out of like Kavita Devi and all that. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty interesting. But uh, it was a good quarter. It was a good quarter. But again, uh, no one is fooled by the fact that the TV rights fees are driving their revenue. But it was still a really good quarter. Yeah, the, a lot of positive news that came out of that. Um, not bad, not bad. I just hope uh, I hope they get this India deal settled because whew, it's getting <laughs> tough. It's getting tough to watch that show. So let's talk about the Survivor Series. Uh, I think they kind of tipped their hat as to the main event a little bit when uh, Kurt Angle posted on social media that he was having new gear made. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of let you know what was going to be happening. So they confirmed on Raw this week that he is going to captain the men's team for Raw. Shin McMahon's going to captain the men's team for SmackDown. They haven't announced the full rosters yet, but it's expected it's going to be uh, Kurt, Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns, Samoa Joe, and Finn Balor. 
Again, Shane McMahon, Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, Shinsuke Nakamura, and AJ Styles. That's a pretty solid five-on-five matchup. Pretty solid. Uh, I'm very interested to see the dynamic between, say, a Braun and a Roman, uh, or even a Samoa Joe and a Roman. I think that's going to be very interesting. So uh, I'm looking forward to that, man. I'm looking forward to seeing the Kurt Angle that we remember, not the Kurt Angle in the Shield gear working a TLC match, but like the actual Kurt Angle in the red, white, and blue singlet. I'm looking forward to seeing that, seeing how he is in that environment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, me too. Uh, you can play off of the the angle McMahon, Shane McMahon thing from King of the Ring. Deck. Yeah, from a long time ago. Yep. Shane's appeared in several Survivor Series matches. Now I think this will be his third or fourth. So that's good. I'm sure it'll be a good match. I want them to add some stakes, like have Kurt or Shane say, "Hey, if you all win, I'll give all of you title shots." Just something. Something. Right. Some reason for these guys to care. Besides the color of a shirt. That's right. it. Right. Maybe maybe they can say whoever, because it's an elimination match, right? Maybe they can say whoever is not eliminated gets a title shot. That's, As, that's a great that's a so, great one. That's do you remember what, what I brought up on the SmackDown show? Remember it was 04 Survivor Series where the winners got to run Raw for a week. So like Maven ran Raw for a week hmm. because he was a part of that team. And there were a lot of sub-storylines set there. Like Maven passed up an offer to join Evolution, got beat in his title match that he booked for himself, and it helped create a heel turn because mm. he was like, man, what did I do? I screwed up my career. Now they never went anywhere with it. Maven never was what they wanted him to be, and he had his own personal problems. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there were when you do something like that, it sets up not just one storyline. It opens up a plethora of storylines. It's like a chain reaction. So, And Survivor Series with stakes can be one of the – one of my favorite, favorite types of matches. What's uh, Maven doing now? I don't know. I know he had a drug problem for a while. He was doing the Home Shopping Network, and he was really good I at it. I remember the Home Shopping Network. He was on BET for a while. He was on The Surreal Life for a while, which I loved that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was fun TV. But I know that he came back and started to wrestle, and I tried to reach out to him because I was going to do one of my long forms I was going to do on former Tough Enough winners, mm-hmm. and it didn't work out. So mm. I don't know. I haven't heard from him in a while. Okay, well, we talked earlier about WWE releases. So let's talk about WWE returns because this was a hell of a week for WWE returns. Sure was. So Samoa Joe returned from injury on Raw. JoJo Waterman was back doing ring announcing. Bo Dallas was back with The Miz. Nia Jax was back from her hiatus. Bray Wyatt was at Raw because he left to be part of the European tour. Uh, all those guys came back. Roman Reigns is still out. Uh, he will be at the Survivor Series. And uh, let me tell you one thing that I love about WWE is that they have an ace in the hole by the name of Triple H. And you talk about having that that ace in the hole. I can't think of a better term for it. You lose a main eventer on a, on a tour. You send Triple H out in his place. Probably a bigger draw than Roman, probably, because he doesn't wrestle very often. Uh, so Hunter is working the UK tour. Started today, actually, starting today, November first in Glasgow, Scotland. It's going this whole week. I think it's five shows. 
uh, and he's 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 working the whole tour uh, in Roman Reigns' place this week. What an asset having uh, a proven main eventer from the Attitude Era that you can just rely on whenever you need. That's it's pretty solid. There's a guy named Kurt Angle that's going to be able to help him with that stuff too in the future. Yeah, and he's so. I think he's doing at least one of the shows in a non wrestling role. I think that's a very very great thing to have. Like you said, an ace in the hole. Yeah, that's perfect. Absolutely, that's really good. Uh, when you bring over a guy like AJ Styles, who has a proven track record of being able to put asses in seats around the world, that helps solidify these rosters and stuff. But when a guy like Roman Reigns falls out, well, if you take AJ Styles off of a house show loop, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's going to hurt. So you got to have a, a, a Triple H. I mean, ideally, it's a it's a bummer. Uh, Booker T had to have surgery to the extent that he had because you could have him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, help with that stuff, or just have him talk into a microphone for a little while based on his raw commentary. But they 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 don't have the the ones like they used to. A lot of those Attitude Era guys are just not up and going anymore. As sure. I, like I mentioned, Booker T, but Triple H is. Yep. He's taken care of. Kurt Angle has proven to them that he can work and mm-hmm. he can do it and. That's a great move. Other than that, there there aren't a ton. JBL can't like slide into that spot. He's no. he's too far removed. He's not a draw maybe anyway. if you have maybe if you have a Rey Mysterio or something, that would he would be the kind of guy that I think they could like almost like keep on a retainer type of thing. Like I'm surprised they haven't ever brought in Rob Van Dam for some of this stuff. Like mm-hmm. they do they do have a deal with him where it's like, hey, just don't work for any national companies. You're 234 years old, but we don't want you working for anybody else. Yeah. Call up RVD. Send him over to Europe. Why not? Ray, Ray I think, would be pretty expensive for that. Oh, he but, would be. Who knows? Speaking of uh, names from the past, so the Raw 25th anniversary show is going to be on January 22nd, 2018. Can you believe 25 years, Sean? 25 no. years. Man. Makes me feel old, man. Me too. Um, now, what's interesting about it is Raw is going to emanate from two venues that night, Barclays Center in Brooklyn and the Manhattan Center in New York, which is where the first Raw took place at the Manhattan Center. And they've so far, they've announced that The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, and Kevin Nash are going to be there. So that should be a fun show. And I'm sure they're going to announce more names as time goes along. So Yes. That'll be fun. I, I like it, and I think it's a good idea. I think that the Manhattan Center, bring it from there, cool. I love that. I, I wish they would run like live events, like which I mean you can't run a live event there because you're gonna fill up MSG, so you can't do it there. But I wish they would go to some more like low, small iconic arenas and stuff like that, like NXT does. I was NXT gonna say does a really good job. That's what NXT does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I'll ask you this: What's your favorite match in Raw history? Man, I'd have to actually. I can I can name it. Uh, the Rock versus Mankind, the uh, the tape match. Uh, I think it was December '98 when Stone Cold did the run-in. Oh yeah. Still, I think the biggest pop in wrestling history that I can think of when Stone Cold music hit. Biggest. I, I can <laughs> just just think about that in the middle of a match. Yeah. His music hits and yeah. the re- it hits a guy with a chair, and the rest just like meh. Well, no, it was no DQ. Oh, was it? Yeah, because okay. the DX was, was uh, fighting outside with the corporation. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no DQ. And that was the match when Tony Schiavone was told by Bischoff to make fun of Foley. Of course. And to this day, you can go back and watch that on YouTube. And that pop, when Stone Cold's music hit, nothing has rivaled it. That yeah. Pop. And I, that's one of those segments I can go back and watch that a thousand times and not be sick of it. So that's probably my favorite of all time. I'd say mine was... Maybe a little underrated of, of one. Shawn Michaels and John Cena when they went like 50, 55 minutes 
on Raw, and I didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, they, they just went up at the 10 o'clock hour, and I was like, wow, they're, they're starting this one early. And they went the full hour, and I was like, whoa. And this is John Cena's, like, he's the man mm-hmm. in 07. Like, nobody's going to beat him. And mm-hmm. Shawn Michaels beat him. That was so cool. Another underrated one, Triple H, Shawn Michaels. I think it was the last Raw of 03 that really, like, kicked off their feud again. That was another good one. Uh, Shawn Michaels just, I think if you, if I were to make like my list of top 10 favorite Raw matches, Shawn Michaels might be on like five or six of them. Oh, for sure. I mean, even him and Janetti from like 93, 94. Him and Janetti, oh, him and sure. Shelton Benjamin. I love that one. Right. That one was unbelievable. The super that kick one, off the slingshot. Yeah. Yep. That made me think that, uh, Shelton was going to be like one of their big super worker guys. And he was a super worker. Every top guy he worked with, I thought he got, if I were to rate it on my rating system, they're getting like sevens and eights and stuff, and that's that's pretty good. I, I I thought that was really good, but yeah, lots of great stuff over 25 years. For sure. Even though sometimes, as we watch it, those three hours don't go along so smoothly. No, sometimes they turn you into a stupid person, uh, just like the stupid people segment. Yeah. Go ahead, Nigel. This is a stupid song, it just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. So first off, I got a message last week saying, why do you keep on mentioning Trevor Strong uh, and TrevorStrong.org? Why don't you just just put his name on the graphic? The answer is not everybody watches the video. Some people listen to the show and don't watch the video. Therefore, I have to mention it. Otherwise, they're not going to see the credit. So uh, Trevor Strong, TrevorStrong.org. Thanks for the usage of the song. That's why I have to say it, Sean. So there you go. Now this week, Sean, the theme this week is stupid things people do because they're very easily manipulated. All right. Nigel, is this sponsored by Trig Tent. I was going to say. Feeling. I was going to say Nigel, being the Trig Tent guy, he will back this up. People in 2017, probably more so than ever in the history of the universe, are very easily manipulated, and that's where that's where these stories came from. And the third one, I'm going to throw a quiz in there for you, Sean, on the third one. Because right? okay. I think that's going to be your favorite one. So this first one uh, has to do with uh, religion. And I'm not going to turn this into a religious thing. I'm just going to read the, the stupid story, but it has to do with religion. People are very manipulated when it comes to religion sometimes. It was reported by the Daily Mail on October 25th that a 68-year-old self-professed magic man named Limba died after steaming himself in a walk while trying to, quote, cleanse body and soul at a Chinese temple in northern Malaysia. He sat on a giant metal pan. He had a metal lid placed over him, clasped his hands in prayer, and then they lit a fire under the walk. Playboy fried himself? Well, not a fry. That's a steam, right? Steam, whatever. Within 30 minutes, he was knocking friendly from the inside. They raised the lid to find him unconscious. He was pronounced dead at the scene. Second degree burns, and he suffered a heart attack because he was steaming in a walk. What makes you think that's a good idea? That's why it's under the stupid people section, Sean. Just use a sauna. <laughs> like what? What was he trying to do? Uh, apparently, it was a ritual to cleanse body and soul. Stupid. Well, yeah, that's why he's in the segment. It's it's a ritual to get you dead as fuck, is what it is. <laughs> and he did it in front of hundreds of uh, followers in a temple. Of course. Yep. And they let it happen? They let it happen. They're just watching. There's, there's video of this. So more people do this. Uh, I don't know, but there is video. If you go to the Daily Mail and look it up, I saw the video. It's there. 
So like people were just like turn it. They probably filmed it vertically too. Savages. <laughs> Savages. So the second one, Sean. I'll never. I just don't. Uh, I don't want to turn this into a religious podcast, Sean. I don't. But sometimes I don't know. I don't. I don't not understand organized religion. Sometimes. This next one was reported by the Detroit Free Press on October 24th. There is a religious practice among some Indian Muslims, okay, in which young girls are subjected to genital mutilation without, oh. an, without anesthetic, all right, and it's supposed to be a rite of passage, kind of similar to bar mitzvahs for Jewish boys, right? It's supposed to be a, a, a rite of passage. The typical age is seven years old for these girls, all right? Check out this story. According to the Free Press, a woman in Oakland County, Michigan, was charged with subjecting her daughter to this practice. No. She was ordered to serve house arrest, uh, and she had an electronic monitor placed on her ankle, right? House arrest? Yep. Because she didn't do it to intentionally inflict injury. She did it because it's a religious practice she believes in, right? So I she don't care. Well, but here, here, here's the best part. The woman is now requesting that the electronic bracelet on her ankle be removed because it's causing skin irritation. Oh, son of a bitch. Can you believe that, Nigel? No, no. That is, that is ridiculous. Isn't that ridiculous? We, we talked some weenie cutting on the show before. Yes. Leave the labias and flabias and flip-flaps all alone. Stop! <laughs> flip-flaps. It, Stop it! It should be added that uh, this, the practice is illegal in the United States. This general be. mutilation is, is legal. But I couldn't help but... I had to add the story when the woman is, is complaining of skin irritation from an electronic yeah. bracelet on her ankle. Well, that, that's not lost that. on me. I'm just... Yeah, how is it still a practice? I know, I know. Uh, last one, Sean. I asked uh, my business partner, Luke, uh, if he knows what a yoni is, and he did, and I was very impressed. Do you know what a yoni is, Sean? No. Neither. Do you know what a yoni is? can't say that I do. I didn't either, but he knew. So yoni is a Sanskrit word for female genitalia. Of course Luke would know that. Of course Luke would know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's what yoni is. It is a Sanskrit word for female genitalia. All right? Now... This was reported by IFL Science on October 18th. There is an emerging trend, Sean, in the U.S. called the Yoni Cucumber Cleanse. Oh, boy. Now, according to this trend, women are inserting peeled cucumbers into their vagina, twisting them around, pulling them in and out, doing in and out movements. Oh, yeah, cleanse, huh? Yes, and... They claim that it cleanses the vagina, it resets the pH balance, and it leaves you smelling fresh. All right? If you go on Google, and I know because I did this, if you go on Google, and if you Google Yoni Cucumber Cleanse, there's a bunch of YouTube videos, there's a bunch of articles with all of these holistic-minded people that are vouching for this, right? Do you know who Dr. Jen Gunter is? No, I don't. I can't say that I do or ever will. Do you know what goop is? Goop? Yeah. <laughs> let's just let's just continue with the explanation. Okay. Goop is a is Gwyneth Paltrow's website. Okay. Okay. You're not familiar with Goop? Okay, <laughs> Nigel, are you? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Goop is a website owned by Gwyneth Paltrow. I think now she's she's now getting brick and mortar stores and stuff. And she basically sells I guess you could call it holistic stuff, health and wellness stuff. Uh, a lot of it is bullshit. Right, 
and Dr. Jen Gunter became somewhat famous for debunking a lot of the claims on Goop and calling bullshit on them, right? So this Dr. Jen Gunter can't wrote, have that Goop misinformation out there. Exactly, it's a big mistake, right? This Dr. Jen Gunter wrote a blog about the Yoni Cucumber Cleanse. And she basically said, okay, number one, the vagina is not dirty, and you don't need to cleanse it with a cucumber. That's number one. She said, number two, um, there is fungus on the cucumber that could create infection. And number three, there have been cases of perforated bladders due mm. to performing this thing with the peeled cucumber. Mm. So she basically said, don't do it. Don't be stupid. Don't do it. So let me try to approach this as as – as I can, yep. you know. Sometimes I'll slice up a cucumber, <laughs> drop them in my, drop them in some water. Are they gonna say just stick it up your ass? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> hey, man, it gets smelly up there, right? <laughs> that's, that's just working on the pH balance. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. Drop it in my water, drink it. It accents the water in a wonderful way. Have you seen uh, the other guys? That's where I got the okay, idea. That's where, okay, okay, okay. That's where I got the idea, right. and. Uh, Will Ferrell, it seems like he oversold it. He didn't sell it enough. That was now, great. Yeah. I am only an amateur gynecologist. I <laughs> but you know what fixes the pH balance? Eating the fucking cucumber. <laughs> eating good foods. Eating healthy foods. That's lazy. That's like, uh, you know, the ab things that you buy that go around your back and uh -huh. it like it's got a fucking battery <laughs> in it that does this. I got to say, no. anybody that's only listening to this and not watching the video, you're missing out this week. All right? Just based yeah. on the movements we just saw to Sean. Have you ever seen the shake weight, Sean? Of course I have. There okay. was a South Park episode. Well, there's a South Park episode about everything. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. There you go, man. Let's move on and talk about Ronda Rousey. Yeah, let's. She, uh, boy, what a segue from, <laughs> from the Yoni Cucumber Cleanse for Ronda Rousey. So she uh, she was working out, uh, I guess, I think it was last week at the Performance Center in Orlando with Shayna Baszler. And uh, the plan right now is the MMA horsewomen versus the WWE horsewomen at WrestleMania 34. Tentative plan. Tentative Still plan. Wins. How do you think that's going to go if that happens? Well, um, I think it'll be all right. I think that they have the, they're in the right place. I know that Jessamine Duke has also relocated to Florida. Uh, Rousey was there for a while and then went back to, to California, so I don't know if she's there right now. Uh -huh. But <clears throat> Shayna, we know she'll be fine. Marina is married to Roderick Strong. I'm sure that he will make sure that she's fine because, you know, that whether anybody believes it or not, that might reflect on him. Jessamine has been training with Shayna for years, so, I mean, whenever Shayna wants to do something, like her t main training partner is Jessamine Duke, I'm sure she'll be all right. Ronda Rousey is the wild card, and I think that she – because, I mean, that's that's the attraction. Mm -hmm. Of course. I absolutely. think that she can do a lot of cool things with her judo training that pro wrestling fans haven't seen before. There are a lot of trips, takedowns, uh, submissions that, that we haven't seen out there. I think it'll they'll all be protected very well, mm -hmm. and they won't have to be in the ring long enough to get too exposed. Do so, you yeah. think that they will put over the WWE talent at the expense of Ronda Rousey? Yeah, if it's a WrestleMania, yeah, because yeah. they always have. Uh, outside of the Battle Royal at WrestleMania 2, no celebrity or athlete has ever lost a WrestleMania match. Yeah, but I, I get that. But do you think they're going to be doing like clean submission wins, armbar? Because it, it might be elimination, let's say. Do you think sure. they're going to have all these girls tap out to the armbar, probably leaving Charlotte in that scenario? 
I think it'd be good if they did have Ronda Rousey tap out like three girls if it's elimination, right. and then have Charlotte beat her, right? Because I, there's money in a Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey one on one match. Absolutely, for sure, absolutely. And Charlotte's the only one that could pull it off. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. Yeah. Charlotte had that star quality in NXT. I thought she should be NXT and WWE's Ronda Rousey before she lost to Sasha Banks. She has been so poorly utilized since she went to SmackDown. It's a shame because on Raw, she was one of the stars of the show, male or female. Before the there's, there's a lot of people that when they do the offspring of a legend gimmick, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And she does a female version of Ric Flair and... God damn, is she good at she it? She is, but she's her she's own person good. too. Yeah, she's not out there strutting <clears throat> everything. Like she does a lot of her own shit. Granted, she's got some of their music. She does the woo, which I wish she wouldn't do, but yeah. uh, but she does a lot of her own shit too. So I really like Charlotte, uh, Conor McGregor. So you and I looked at a video today. I, I'm, I'm I assume you saw the video, right? The interview. Yeah, I did a news update on it. Okay, so he has a documentary coming out called Notorious. Uh, we were sent a clip of the video from Entertainment.ie. Uh, he was interviewed by them as part of the press junket for the documentary. And uh, I thought it was very interesting that he put The Rock over. And it's funny when you see Conor McGregor in that environment where he doesn't have a live audience there. He's not selling tickets for a pay-per-view or anything like that. He's actually a very chill, calm, respectful guy in that environment. And he, yeah. actually, he actually said, and that was, this is a quote, he said, it's breathtaking that stars like The Rock know who he is and show him support. Uh, which I thought was pretty respectful. My question was, there's, there's long been rumors about McGregor and WWE, and there's long been talk about WrestleMania. Uh, I don't think it makes sense if they're already going to bring Ronda Rousey in. I don't think it makes sense to have McGregor do WrestleMania as well. So uh, what do you think about that? I think eventually there will be an appearance, but it won't be soon. Right. But he, he will eventually. Right. He, he gets the deal. He keeps his options open. He's got options in boxing. Mm-hmm. He's got options in MMA. He can do whatever he wants. Absolutely. Well, it looks like Tony Ferguson might be next. That's the rumor. Yeah, that's. I did that news update today. You all can check that out. Where Conor McGregor runs down his his options, and it's weird to say it, man, but him just mentioning somebody's name, mm-hmm. showing that he knows somebody's name, is a rub. Mm-hmm. He mentioned Justin Gaethje by name, even though he butchered the name. He showed that he knew who he was and that he was interested in that fight and said, this guy fights the way that I like to fight. Mm. So keep your eye on that. He said that uh, Nate Diaz is a money fight. He said that he'd like to fight Polly Malignaggi in MMA. He said that there are boxing fights, but it looks like Tony Ferguson is the guy. I've got more in that video news update on our YouTube page. Head over and subscribe. But he said that he's in contract negotiations, so good. Yeah, I don't think Malignaggi is going to be a draw. I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, I think they would. Do, I think it would do about a million, about like his MMA fights. What all, I was going to say, what all his fights do. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Eric Bischoff. I got to say this, man. So I have. I'm not going to use the word fan. I've had a lot of respect for Eric Bischoff, probably from the time that he first went to WWE in like 2002 or whenever that was. Uh, and the reason that I have a lot of respect for Eric Bischoff is because he hasn't really sugarcoated anything. Uh, when he's asked about his time at WCW, he's pretty straightforward. He'll knock himself. He'll knock his decisions. He'll say that he had uh, uh, an, an ego then, and he'll say that he was arrogant. And, you know, he's pretty straight up, I think, when, it, when he talks about that time. Uh, and he took a lot of shit in WWE, too. And he, I thought, handled it like a pro. So I have a lot of respect for Eric Bischoff. Had to question... Uh, his answer to a question, though, 
when he was on the Sam Roberts podcast, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, uh, he was on there because Bret Hart had been on the Sam Roberts show, and Bret Hart said a lot of negative things about Eric Bischoff. I think he called him a maggot. Mm -hmm. um, so Eric Bischoff was brought on by Sam Roberts to kind of retort what Bret Hart said, uh, and he did, and that's not what this is about. Um, Sam Roberts said to Eric Bischoff, if you were going to build a wrestling company today, what talent from WWE would you want to grab and build your company around? And Eric Bischoff gave two answers. The first answer, I think everybody universally would be in agreement, right? Braun Strowman. Yeah. We, we saw him finally turn babyface on Raw, even though his, uh, his emergence from the, from the uh, garbage truck was stupid. But we still saw his emergence as a babyface. It was hilarious. It was great. But he's, he's, I mean, the crowd's with him. And you know one thing, I don't, I don't want to segue too much from my, my Bischoff story, but you know what I love about Braun Strowman among all the things about him? As I've talked before about how much I love when the wrestler listens to the crowd. Right? Yes. And a guy like Kevin Owens listens to the crowd, and Sami Zayn has shown that he listens to the crowd. Braun Strowman power slammed Curtis Axel four times because whenever he did it, the crowd said one more. So then he'd pick yeah. him up and do it again. And I was watching that going, that is a skill that it seems like a pretty easy, obvious skill to have when you're in a. It's elementary. WWE doesn't want him to do it, though. Ugh, it's great that he does it, it's great that he pays attention. They, they asked for tables, and he threw a guy through a table. It's great. It's great. It was awesome. And I hope he doesn't lose that skill because that is a skill not enough guys have when you're able to Oh, you know he's going like to be that. out there saying, I do it for each and every one of you, <laughs> WWE Universe. Oh, he better not. He better not. <laughs> he's got to be who he is because right now he's awesome. But anyway. Then he, then he fights from underneath. Oh, while, no, no. While Luke Gallows works him over <laughs> with a pumpkin on his head. Uh, That's what's coming up next. Oh, no, no. So Bischoff said Braun Strowman is one of two guys he'd build around. Right? Justified, right? The second name, he said, is Dolph Ziggler. What the hell, man? Bischoff built a, a, a multi-million dollar company, WCW, grabbing Hulk Hogan and grabbing Randy Savage and Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and all these guys. And now he's picking Dolph Ziggler as a cornerstone of a new company. And this is a quote from Eric Bischoff. He said, regarding Dolph Ziggler, he's versatile, he's athletic, he has a great look. He reminds me of Kurt Angle because although he doesn't have that badass killer persona that Kurt had, he's capable of it because he's an amazing amateur wrestler. He can choose to be a badass or he can be a comedic character. Um... I don't know. Sometimes you know how I like to throw around the term, I don't see money in him. And Baron Corbin, to this day, I don't see money in Baron Corbin. That's always the guy that I use as my example. I never saw money in Dolph Ziggler as a top guy. I never did. Uh, and part, well, of it, part of it could be because of the name, because Dolph Ziggler is just a terrible name. Yeah. Uh, part of it for me was the stringy bleach blonde hair. I just didn't think it was a good look for a main eventer. And uh, I did, part of it, and, and this is not his fault, but his voice was never a commanding... You know, still Stone Cold Steve Austin rock kind of voice. You know what I mean? Like I just yeah. never saw I never saw money in Dolph Ziggler. I definitely didn't uh, as a tip top guy. But during that crazy put or that crazy just when he was getting those reactions and he cashed him money, money in the bank, bank, I thought that was a good time. And I thought they should have done a real good long Big E versus Dolph Ziggler feud and created a big star out of Big E off of that too. Okay, which, whoa, 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 let's let's segue for a minute. Let's segue for a minute. Okay. You really seem to have a thing for Big E because you've talked yeah, about he, Big he's E. He's great. He's great. There's no main event singles uh, capability or, or, or potential in Big E. There's none. Well, you're wrong. No, I'm and not. That's, that's objectively true. I'm absolutely but right. There was a main event run for a guy by the name of Jack Swagger. 
albeit short, I spoke to him about uh, his possibility of, of competing in MMA and many other things. Here you go, guys. That was guys. actually really good, man. That was a good I one. Know. <laughs> the getting you to the dance thing is always something that interested me because you had a bit of a different path than a lot of people. You were recruited by WWE. Yes. How how was that process, and what were your feelings on that as it happened? I know that some amateur wrestlers, like 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 a Kurt Angle, he he really had no interest in it. So what what yeah. were your feelings when they they approached you? I think um, like if you were an amateur wrestler in, in my generation, uh, a lot of amateur wrestlers look at pro wrestling with a certain stigma at least we did when we were kids and you know a lot of that has definitely changed now uh combat sports is more popular than ever pro wrestling is more popular than ever now and so a lot of the stigmas are removed that were previously associated with it um i was very excited for it because i knew uh one it was gonna get me out of oklahoma asap and so <laughs> I, I wanted that, but um, too, I understood like how big the company was and I, I knew enough about it uh, where I was a fan in junior high. Uh, and so I kind of understood a little bit about it, at least I thought anyways, until I started. Um, so I was very excited and it was a very big opportunity. Now, as you mentioned, combat sports has never been more popular, and that was really ramping up around the time that you made that transition. I know it was right after the Ultimate Fighter. It became an avenue, and today, even more so, you see like uh, Ed Ruth uh, with Bellator. You see a lot of the Aaron Pico got signed, and they really pushed these guys heavily. When you left WWE, that was one of the big rumors, is that maybe it's an MMA transition. And I know that you said uh, in a recent interview that would be kind of a risk, have MMA companies reached out to you? Yeah, yeah. And uh, as of now, uh, nothing is confirmed. Um, but I, I am definitely training uh, full on as if I were uh, signed to one of the companies. Uh, I, I'm taking it very seriously because it is something very serious. And just kind of been keeping it close to the vest until there's something to announce. So what you're telling me is Bellator has made you an offer. What? What? <laughs> if Bellator hasn't pitched the idea of Alberto Del Rio versus Jack Swagger in an MMA fight, I don't even know what they're doing with their business model. <laughs> like, well, it's, it's too well, easy. I, well, that's a good question. Do you think two – well, Alberto has already had the MMA background. but He's got think, a lot of experience. Right. Do you think two uh, – two, pro wrestlers crossing over to the MMA world, do you think that would be a draw or would you rather see them go up against an MMA, an MMA guy? People watched Kimbo Slice versus Dada 5000. One of those guys technically died in the cage and he's still alive today. I think people will watch anything. Yeah, well, I didn't. mean, we, Oh yeah, exactly. Kimbo had that momentum. He had the the name. He had that X factor about him. You know, you'd want to tune in to see that. I don't know. I think two pro wrestlers going in there, it'd be better if they fought uh, real fighters or I'm not or sure. like, true MMA guys. So, do you follow MMA or is it just something that you you're considering? Maybe no, making I, that transition to. I, I follow it as much as I can with two kids and uh, something that I want to transition into. 
So as I mentioned, uh, the recruiting process, like who contacts you? Who sa- and what kind of pitch do they make to you? Are they saying, well, you know, you will have to go to this developmental territory, which I would imagine going from Oklahoma to, what well, was it Deep South or was it FCW? I, I was fortunate enough to go to all three. So I started in Deep South in July of 06, uh, moved to OBW J- January of 07, and then moved to FCW July of 07. So, and by year and a half span, I hit all three and got all different great coaches. And one was strictly practice. OBW was all shows. And then FCW was a nice combination of both with uh, unbelievable uh, coaching staff. Um, the the pitch, you know, you know, it was your typical pitch, you know, two big boob women in a hotel room for me. Uh, you know, I had to pull the string to see what they were promoting. I'm kidding. All right, you guys are back. Great stuff out of Jack Swagger. I talked. I've got a lot more from him. I'm supposed to talk to Hangman Page of Bullet Club tomorrow. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. You know, one thing Swagger said that I relate to. He said uh, I only follow as much as you know having two little kids will allow. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm a big Edmonton Oilers fan. And granted, this this season has not gone well for them so far. But because of my schedule with my two kids, I think they've played uh, nine or ten games so far this year. I've only seen, like, one full game so far this year. It got to that point with me with, like, baseball and stuff, too. I could never watch Reds games anymore. But now, like, it, it really depends on the groove you're in from a work perspective. I do a lot of my work at night, so I'm catching, like, a ton of NBA games these days. Like, anytime NBA is on at night and it's a nationally broadcast game, I find myself watching that, but uh, I was going to ask. Uh, so, what's your excuse for not watching the whole game? Is because of your six cats? Because you don't have kids. <laughs> so, like, what's your well, excuse? I mean, I, I work, Jimmy. You'd be shocked to learn. Let me tell you something, man. I, Let me tell you something. So, this this weekend, we're putting the clocks back, right? Oh God, yeah, we are. And most individuals, when they find out that they get that extra hour of sleep, most individuals are like, you know, excited, right? Mm-hmm. In my world, putting the clocks back is horrible. I hate it. Because it means that my daughter's going to wake me up at 6 o'clock on Sunday morning, which means that when I open the curtains, it's going to be nighttime, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And that's what I have to look forward to on Sunday. That's how it is when you got two little kids. I hate less daylight. I don't get it. Mm. I, I don't understand it. Why Why do we do that? There's been a lot of calls to eliminate it. Like there's been. I wish they would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I hate doing a po- Me and Joe would do the podcast at like... We used to do it at like 5 p.m. or something like back in the day. Yeah. And at the time of the year, like we would start and it'd be daylight and then <laughs> dark. Me and Shane did a few shows like that too where it'll be completely dark in my office because I rely on some natural light. <laughs> yeah. So uh, My Columbus Blue Jackets are doing nice though. They're doing all right. The Oilers are not, but it's early. It's early. We'll see how they're doing up to 25 Oh, Uh-oh, what'd you do, Jimmy? Um, Sirens. I don't know. Maybe I pissed off an Oilers fan back there somewhere. So the last topic on my list this week has to do with the Miz. Sure. And you know what? In recent weeks, I've put the Miz over for his promo work. In the past, I've talked about how the Miz just is not intimidating because he's not. Uh, I've made jokes about how I would fight him tomorrow if I had to, and I would (laughs) because he's just not an intimidating guy. But I'm going to put him over today for the cell phone video that he did on social media uh, directed at Baron Corbin. And the reason I liked it is because of something he said with respect to his spot that I really liked. Uh, And this is a quote. 
He said, this isn't about Raw and SmackDown supremacy for me. This is about making the Intercontinental Championship the most prestigious and honorable title in all of WWE. I bust my ass day in and day out to make that title relevant. And the reason I love that quote is because he's found his ideal spot. And it's almost like he has accepted the fact that the Miz should not be WWE champion. He shouldn't be. The Miz should not be in the main events and he should not be headlining shows. But as the Intercontinental Champion, he's the perfect guy for that. Because he, he, he is an excellent talker, great talker, great at improvising, and he's very quick-witted, and he's decent in the ring. And uh, for the Intercontinental title, I think he's the perfect fit. Like I said, he should not be WWE champion. That video showed me that he recognizes that, and he's, he's, he's embraced it. So I wanted to put him over for that. And he already has been, so you can always say former WWE champion. You, you don't have to go back there. I know, there. I know, I know. If he were to really heal it up and get up there, I wouldn't be opposed to a small run. But he's... If I were to make an MVP voting list and I had to give first, second, third place votes of this year, Braun Strowman won, Miz 2, Kevin Owens 3 probably for me. I think he has been so good. good. That entire show was of Raw was written around him. The whole show. Yep. Like from He showed up right after the first segment. He wrestled midway through the show and was a part of the, the very last. And they had like four or five in between there. He's so good. He's... Man, the, the transformation and the way that his, his career – he went from headlining WrestleMania as mm-hmm. WWE champion to not being able to be on TV because they fumbled a babyface run with him so badly. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't motivated, and he got real bad in the ring. And instead of just resting on his laurels and going and doing autograph signings outside of WWE, he worked really, really hard. He got good again, and he became not just relevant, like mandatory, must-see to, to use a pun – Really good stuff out of the Miz. Could, I feel like be happier. I feel like WWE recognized he needs somebody to play off of. Yeah, and I, I think that Maurice was really the catalyst for his resurgence because he was oh, going yeah. he was going nowhere until they brought, brought Maurice in. And Miz and Maurice, I thought that they were the the top act for a while on television. And I don't know when WWE found out about her pregnancy, but I'm going to go ahead and guess they found out before she announced it, uh, at least to, to management, because they brought the Miztourage in. Yes. And it's almost like they were prepared. Okay, Maurice is going to be going off for a while. Miz needs somebody to play off of. Let's give him Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas. Uh, and it works, you know? The and so. thing I like about The Miz is his character is that he is this egomaniac. And you can play it off in that when somebody like Baron Corbin punches him in his ego, he cares enough about it and he's crazy enough to to become a threat at that point. Like – now he's really, really like pissed off and wants to prove to everybody he's not some chump, so you don't know what he's capable of. Like so that that's really cool and he can play that off really well. The Miz has been really great. Like he's so good. Mm-hmm. And uh he's going to be he's gonna go down as one of the greatest intercontinental champions ever. Yep. Yep, he should. And it's 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 hard when you you know think about Randy Savage, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Miz. <laughs> but he, yeah. he he has been very good in that role, and he's been very good for the title. And he made reference in that video to um, I'm elevating the IC title, whereas they're using the United States title to elevate the talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of true because with the exception of AJ Styles, and I guess with the exception of Kevin Owens, Baron Corbin was going nowhere. Well, they're, they, they have given a lot of love to the United States title over the past several years. It had become like a priority – well, or, or not necessarily a priority. Do you remember how like WCW used to use the U.S. championship for a while? Mm-hmm. If a guy 
was a big name but didn't have a main event program, here's the U.S. title. Mm-hmm. Like Bret Hart would hold it and all these people. That sort of started to be like what they did with, with it in WDB because Cena. You look, yeah, you look back. Uh, a few years ago, it kind of started with Ambrose, who was a part of the Shield. Like he was a big, uh, they were a big attraction. Then it went to Sheamus. Then it went to Rusev, who was a guy they at the at that time had pegged for big things. Cena, Rollins, Del Rio, and then this year it went back from Reigns to Jericho to Owens, mm-hmm. AJ Styles, and then it's back to Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin doesn't quite. Fire off in that same way. Barry Corbin sucks. Who blocked me on Twitter, by the way. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. And I I think it's because I pointed out that (laughs) – you know how I always point out that he re-asks the questions that are asked to him. He cut off Renee Young one time, and then he asked the question that he thought she was going to ask him. Then he re-asked that to himself too. (laughs) (laughs) And I think he saw that because I'm not the type of – douchebag that tags wrestlers in my tweets mm. like like if i'm like oh i don't like this i'm not doing that if if i did a story on them or i did an interview with them yes i'll tag them because mm-hmm. i want them to see it i want them to get it out there but mm-hmm. yeah man i mean i know that the miz video was is it's all a work and they're just building up their match but uh he did refer sure. to baron corbin as a generic big man that will be gone in two years i thought that was kind of interesting well there you but, go because uh, that's kind of sort of what he is but uh, that's all I got for my list this week, man. It's a good time. We got UFC 217 coming up on Saturday. That's going to be great. Friday. I'm looking forward to that live, one. Live discussion. Myself and Joe have a live podcast after. I will be live right after Bound for Glory, too. I'm doing it. I wasn't told to do it, but I was like, you know what? I should probably cover this show. You'll have a solid 12 viewers for that one. Yeah. You all right? So, Actually, I'll have more than that. So it's, it's not wrestling, but uh, good Canadian boy. GSP Michael Bisping, what do you think? That's going to be a tough one. GSP hasn't fought in four years. He's never fought with this weight. Michael Bisping is a giant in comparison, at yeah. that division. Uh, that, there are a lot of question marks. There are a lot of things that I think that GSP can capitalize on, but it's a matter of wondering if Bisping has cleared up those holes. I broke it down from a stylistic standpoint on the Holy Smokes MMA podcast. Go check that out, guys. Uh, it is on our YouTube. It is on FightfulPods.com. But we've got coverage all week. I'm a and of course, my sister-in-law is getting married this weekend. So, oh, there you go. That's that's going to be fun. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm I'm actually about to take a quick trip to Lexington, come back, and then, boy, I am locked into this chair all week. Son go. of a bitch, what are you doing? I just want to make sure they get some some quality airtime. Yeah, I think they got enough already. I think so. I'm gonna leave them here, and I might put them on the mannequins there back there for a little while. We'll see. All right. Guys, until next time, follow him at JimmyVan74. Follow me at Sean Rossap. Follow us at Fightful Online, Fightful MMA, Fightful Wrestle, and visit Fightful.com. We got everything there. Every day you go to Fightful.com, you will see something that you will not get at any other news site. We have an exclusive every day. Check it out. Until next time, we're out. That is respect (laughs) for the dead. <laughs> Jesus Christ.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.